It's time to be all that you can be in 23, starting with a cold plunge to get a natural boost in energy. Focus, discipline, and resilience. The plunge can provide you with all that brilliance. This is the ultimate home cold water therapy experience. A sleek, slick, custom-designed unit that gives you ready access to a cold bath of clean, filtered, circulating water that you can set to your desired temperature. Don't fool around lugging bags of ice from the supermarket for once-in-a-while action. Get the plunge so you will actually stick with your protocol and enjoy it. Visit at thecoldplunge.com to learn all about this sensational product and the benefits of therapeutic cold water exposure. They'll deliver a plunge to your home for free, and then you have easy, simple setup, regular plug-in, and you're off and running. I set mine to 39. I don't spend a lot of time, but the experience is prime, and I'm focused and energized for a fantastic day and more resilient against all other forms of stress in life. Take the plunge, people, and also check out their new Rebounder mini trampoline to pair with plunging and optimize lymphatic function. It's all at thecoldplunge.com, and you can't lose with their generous 30-day money-back guarantee and special discount for BRAD podcast listeners using the code BRAD, thecoldplunge.com. I'm author and athlete Brad Kearns. Welcome to the B-Rad Podcast, where we explore ways to pursue peak performance with passion throughout life. Visit bradkearns.com for great resources on healthy eating, exercise, and lifestyle. And here we go with the show. There's too many post-menopausal females raising their hands and signing up for a Liver King-style cold plunge. And so something to think about, maybe turning that handle over to cold in the shower once in a while and eliciting a hormetic response by the body. Where I feel terrible, moody, cranky by 10 a.m. because I haven't eaten my dose of uh, processed carbohydrates every morning in the great all-American breakfast. Okay, so just because we can do it doesn't mean it's healthy. Uh, That includes being the regular participant at the 6 a.m. classes at the gym because when we're uh, answering to that alarm before it's light out and heading over to the pulsating music and the peppy instructor and the social experience, yes, that's all positive, it's fun, it's enjoyable, um, but you are tapping into stress hormones every time. It's time to be all that you can be in 23, starting with a cold plunge to get a natural boost in energy. Focus, discipline, and resilience. The plunge can provide you with all that brilliance. This is the ultimate home cold water therapy experience. A sleek, slick, custom-designed unit that gives you ready access to a cold bath of clean, filtered, circulating water that you can set to your desired temperature. Don't fool around lugging bags of ice from the supermarket for once-in-a-while action. Get the plunge so you will actually stick with your protocol and enjoy it. Visit thecoldplunge.com to learn all about this sensational product and the benefits of therapeutic cold water exposure. They'll deliver a plunge to your home for free, and then you have easy, simple setup, regular plug-in, and you're off and running. I set mine to 39. I don't spend a lot of time, but the experience is prime, and I'm focused and energized for a fantastic day and more resilient against all other forms of stress in life. 
take the plunge, people, and also check out their new Rebounder Mini Trampoline to pair with plunging and optimize lymphatic function. It's all at thecoldplunge.com, and you can't lose with their generous 30-day money-back guarantee and special discount for BRAD podcast listeners using the code BRAD, thecoldplunge.com. Welcome to part four on my series of reflections about the concept of energy balance inspired by my podcast guest, Jay Feldman and his energy balance podcast. So a quick recap in part one, we pondered the compelling question whether popular hormetic stressors like fasting and intense exercise, carb restriction and the like could be too stressful in many cases. I read a lot of uh, juicy quotes from Jay, uh, especially the one that's been haunting me. And that is, uh, quote, fasting prompts the production of stress hormones. And then I go and reflect whether I want to allocate stress hormones to fasting when I'm also allocating them to my sprinting and jumping workouts and the other forms of stress in hectic, high-stress modern life. Uh, so that was a good uh, opening for much more discussion, including uh, talking about the other hormetic stressors like cold exposure, uh, heat exposure, and we went into part two, where we covered some misconceptions about calorie balance, fat loss, and longevity, and the important distinction beyond the flawed and oversimplified calories in, calories out concept to understand that the phases of energy utilization are calories consumed, calories burned for energy, the ability to burn calories, and then calories stored. And so it's not a linear relationship because that middle part is the key one and that uh, lends itself to mitochondrial health, the ability to efficiently burn energy in your cells. Uh, many experts are asserting today that mitochondrial dysfunction represents the root cause of many, if not all, disease in the body. Um, and also the uh, the idea that a calorie is sort of an arbitrary measurement, how much energy it takes to heat water one degree Celsius, and how uh, all foods while given a caloric value, certainly act differently in the body. Quick example, protein is not burned for energy except in dire starvation circumstances. And then uh, alcohol, of course, is uh, has a caloric value, seven calories per gram, but it's not really what we had in mind when we're talking about consuming calories and burning them for energy. And so we embrace the new idea this is still a recap of part two, that the true problem of a society that's overfat, tired, sick, accelerated aging, inflamed, and oxidized are first the poor choices for energy intake. Those are the toxic modern foods, especially the industrial seed oils that interfere with your body's ability to burn fat. Uh, second is poor energy burning, uh, poor mitochondrial health that can come from um, the bad dietary choices. It can come from gut dysfunction, chronic inflammation, things like that. And then, of course, we have the obvious problem of excess energy storage as a consequence. So the life-changing directive covered in part two is to first get healthy before you start 
thinking about ways to drop excess body fat. We also went deep into the concept of longevity and the contributory factors besides food choices. We talked about the wonderful example of the Japanese in Okinawa and their ikigai, that having a strong life purpose and having strong social connections are great promoters of longevity. Then in part three, I posed the question, could eating more food and more carbs more frequently unlock peak performance and minimize stress? And this is a point that's hammered home on numerous episodes of the Energy Balance podcast. It's extremely compelling, but I don't want to look at it in black and white. And so I had some great consultations offline with some of the brilliant folks like Dr. Paul Saladino, Mark Sisson, and realizing that we're talking about nuance here and continuums, as well as one's own ability to, for example, uh, process energy efficiently and be highly fat adapted. In Sisson's case, he said that it's no problem for him to fast. It does not uh, uh, inappropriately turn on stress hormones because he can do it easily. Uh, now, if someone's struggling with recovery, with uh, maintaining stable energy, mood, appetite throughout the day, then you're going to want to binge on some of Jay Feldman's energy balance shows and think about the idea of nourishing yourself appropriately and being very careful not to uh, overdo it on the stressors of exercise, life, and then uh, dietary intervention with uh, dietary restriction. And great example of this is Dr. Paul Saladino, how he's evolved from uh, promoting a strict carnivore diet to escape from the problems that many of us experience when consuming plant toxins, especially the health, the quote-unquote healthy foods that can cause the biggest problems, the categories of uh, roots, stems, seeds, and leaves. Uh, and Paul was uh, achieving great results, but over time experiencing adverse symptoms from having that uh, prolonged, extremely low-carbohydrate intake diet. When you're on an animal based strict carnivore diet, you're not finding an opportunity to consume hardly any carbs. And so now he's a huge proponent of consuming the least offensive plant foods, which would be honey and fruit, and having a sufficient carb intake in his diet. And I just heard Paul dispense some really simple and memorizable dietary macronutrient tips. He encourages us to get one gram per pound of body weight in daily protein also one gram per pound of daily body weight in natural nutritious fats. Of course, he recommending from animal sources. There's also some uh, rationale and support for getting the very best plant sources of fat, uh, like olives, avocados, high-fat uh, plants, natural, of course, and avoiding the industrial seed oils at all costs. But pretty memorable, right? A gram per pound of protein, gram per pound of body weight and fat, and then with carbs, it would be appropriate, adjustable per your level of activity, especially in the glycolytic workouts and seemingly uh, widespread agreement that we want to get a very sensible baseline intake of carbohydrates so that we don't interfere with uh, thyroid function, adrenal function, and get away from unnecessary and potentially overly stressful activation of fight or flight mechanisms to uh, convert protein into glucose via gluconeogenesis or convert fatty acids into glucose by splitting the 
glycerol molecules off of the triglyceride, sort of an unnecessary and overly complex starvation mechanisms rather than just getting a nice baseline of natural nutritious carbs in the diet, as Saladino will show you on his Instagram with his beautiful array of tropical fruits in his new home of Costa Rica. Okay, so um, the brain is believed to need around 50 grams baseline of glucose every day. I believe that's part of the reason why the ketogenic ceiling was put at 50 grams. So you're allowed to eat 50 grams knowing that your brain's going to be good there. And way back a decade ago when we came out with the original primal blueprint, we talked about 150 grams per day of carbohydrate as a very sensible baseline average intake. And that'll help the, the brain, the muscles, uh, the liver, everybody gets what they need without going into those extremes uh, that are often seen in the standard American diet. And speaking of Paul's recommendation on protein, that's significantly higher uh, than has been widely touted by many experts and uh, the historical recommendations. So if we look at the Keto Reset Diet, for example, we looked all around at numerous respected resources and found that uh, a recommendation of 0.7 grams per pound of lean body mass was a kind of a, uh, an average of many people's recommendations. So if you think one gram per pound of all body mass, except for obesity, where you want to look at your goal weight rather than your actual weight, uh, but still one gram per pound of total body weight uh, can be a lot higher than 0.7 per pound of lean body mass. So that's Paul uh, sticking his neck out, recommending additional protein. And that's been an interesting shift in the progressive health message in recent years. Rob Wolf is also banging this drum very loudly. Remember his epic quote that I repeat a lot that he gave us on his interview where he said, quote, if you want to live longer, lift more weights and eat more protein, end quote. Dr. Tommy Wood uh, echoing a similar insight about getting a sufficient amount of all the macronutrients and these scares that we've heard about in years past about consuming too much protein and stressing the kidney and the liver are now being widely acknowledged as being overblown. Your body can do just fine, especially with that imperative and prominent goal of maintaining lean muscle mass throughout life and the realization that people in the older age groups become less efficient at synthesizing protein from the diet and therefore have a higher requirement of protein. I know most of the whey protein supplements are sold to bodybuilders, but we won't want to have uh, grandma and grandson scooping out of the same jug. And in fact, isn't that amazing? That's what happens at the Kearns household in Los Angeles when uh, grandma's stock in protein, the very best kinds from her son, and then grandson comes over and has his typical four or five scoops in the smoothie and then we need to reorder. So there's an increased need for protein uh, for many health-conscious eaters. And I appreciate that insight from Saladino that we can do better trying to get more. It's also a great way to reduce excess body fat because of the high satiety factor of protein. You're eating these high-protein meals. You're not hungry. You're getting nourished uh, with the primary uh, dietary requirement for survival that is protein. And Maybe that'll help you keep your caloric intake in balance as you strive to uh, tighten up your diet and drop some excess body fat in the process after getting healthy, remember? So the big reflection in part three, I offered up my personal example of, hey, am I stacking too many 
assorted stressors to metabolism and cellular function, being that I'm doing high-intensity explosive workouts and perhaps not doing them perfectly and frequently overexerting myself, uh, also being in the 55 and over age group while doing said high-intensity exercises, also playing around with dietary strategies that will prompt stress hormones to release energy from storage. This includes fasting, carb restriction, keto, and then also playing around with other hormetic stressors like my beloved uh, cold exposure sessions, sauna sessions, and then uh, stacking all of that on top of hectic, high-stress modern life. Dr. Casey Means calls this redundant pathways. In other words, you're going for the same uh, hormetic effect through different channels. Uh, a sprint workout is akin to fasting in many ways. And I talked about some crash and burn experiences I had when I was deep into uh, ketogenic diet experimentation in the process of writing the book and trying to do my sprint workouts. Then I called out my main man, Brian Liver King Johnson, who's blowing up the internet with his sensational videos on his Instagram account that's less than a year old with a million and a half followers and just living the ancestral lifestyle to the extreme with his amazing fitness pursuits and workout regimen and the dietary strategies that include a five-day fast every quarter, uh, extreme cold exposure, extreme everything. And I said, does he really need to do that to promote health? Does a guy who's eating that cleanly, uh, that much of a nutritious diet, need to fast for five days every quarter? On a physical sense, probably not, but you have to appreciate the uh, the psychological benefits of putting yourself into difficulty, struggle, and challenge, and coming out of that a stronger, better person, and also having that opponent process reaction, like Dr. Anna Lemke described, where when we do put ourselves into struggle and difficulty, cold exposure, and so forth, uh, we get a corresponding uh, surge of the pleasurable uh, satisfaction hormones and neurotransmitters afterwards. So a life of ease and instant gratification will kind of dig us further into this hole of dopamine triggers to the excess to the extent that we feel uh, empty and uh, less capable of achieving joy and lasting satisfaction and contentment versus a wonderful balance of heading over to the gym and taking a difficult exercise class once in a while, jumping into the cold river and getting out and shrieking with joy for the amazing uh, nature experience instead of just looking out the window or looking at the TV and watching life go by without, without ever putting yourself onto the line and challenging yourself. Okay, that's a pretty detailed summary of the first three episodes taking us to number four, and I'm calling this, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger, right? Or maybe not. And it kind of flows right into the last thing I said of uh, taking on these challenges, putting ourselves out there, but making sure that we do it in a strategic manner rather than overdoing it. So if you reflect on the conversation that Ben Greenfield had with Jay Feldman and Mike Fave, he grilled them pretty good on this concept of hormesis prompting mitochondrial biogenesis. And that's the party line of the biohackers 
the progressive health community where, yes, you need to jump into that uh, frozen hole in the ice and put your body under stress. Then you need to go into the hot sauna. Then you need to do uh, a, a difficult, challenging workout. And all this stuff is great because it's hormesis and it prompts mitochondrial biogenesis. That's the making of new or improving the function of existing mitochondria. So you're better at burning energy because you have challenged your cells essentially by starving them of energy or putting them into difficulty with temperature or what have you. So we had a great spokesperson in Ben Greenfield because he is the king of biohacking and assorted hormetic stressors that he will tell you about uh, with all his content and pushing the body to the extreme in the name of science and uh, reporting back for all of us to see uh, what happened when he does his total body stem cell injections and extreme cold exposure and uh, performing an Ironman with no uh, proper training and doing fasted workouts, all that stuff. So um, this was Jay's uh, compelling response. Uh, many common health recommendations like calorie restriction, exercise, intermittent fasting, ketogenic and low-carb diets, and cold exposure fall into this category of hormetic intervention. But in order for increasing exposure to hormetic factors to be the answer for preventing or reversing degeneration, chronic disease, and obesity, the people with these conditions would have to be experiencing too little stress. End quote. That's from a blog article, not a quote from their interview. Uh, but you get what I'm saying here? Um, we're thinking that we need to go and stress the body. We're watching the Liver King videos and uh, thinking we're wimpy because we're only in the cold water for two minutes instead of eight minutes like he and his wife <laughs> and wondering, hey, is more better? Now, in many cases today, the answer is yes. Many people are living a life that is not stressful enough in the realm of appropriate stressors that prompt uh, our favorable genetic adaptations. And so we live 24-7 in indoor temperature-controlled environments. Actual research from Great Britain that we spend 86% of our time indoors and another uh, 7% in automobiles or transportation. So we're over 90% of the time indoors in temperature controlled environments and great research. Uh, I talked about some of this on my show, uh, honoring the insights from Dr. Jack Cruz, how when we lose that ability to adapt to temperature changes, uh, it messes up our hormones. He painted a particularly compelling example of the need for postmenopausal women to become cold adapted to optimize hormones and alleviate some of the complaints and symptoms uh, that we uh, experience with menopause. That was pretty wild stuff. And I don't think there's too many postmenopausal females raising their hands and signing up for a Liver King style cold plunge. And so something to think about, maybe turning that handle over to cold in the shower once in a while and eliciting a hormetic response by the body. Now, it's clear that uh, we also have too much stress in the inappropriate chronic modern stressors, such as rumination. My show with Dr. Ron Sinha talked about that at length and identified it as an actual medical condition. Our penchant for trafficking in rumination, ruminating about the past, generating depression, and ruminating about the future, generating anxiety. Uh, Dr. Craig Barker, who is a psychologist by trade and also the kettlebell strength training expert who came up with that uh, revolutionary concept 
concept of hit versus hurt. That's high intensity interval training versus high intensity repeat training. He has a program uh, for for patients. Uh, it's called the anti fragile self, where people who have had a sheltered experience in one way or another and developed conditions like extreme anxiety, he takes them over to the grocery store and turns them loose, and they have an assignment to go and greet someone walking into the store. Hello, how are you doing today? And this is a huge breakthrough for people who are stuck at home. It's especially relevant these days as we come out of quarantine or hopefully continue to emerge from quarantine. It's really been a setback for many people, especially those who uh, have difficulty in social situations anyway. And so Dr. Craig's program, by putting them into these uh, appropriate but still uh, stressful situations, once you go up and say hi to someone walking into the grocery store, ah, you have a breakthrough, you've expanded your comfort zone, and it's a wonderful but necessary experience and part of therapy. Uh, they call it exposure therapy when it comes to uh, OCD and, and things like that. What's up, mofo? Let's talk about testosterone and a high-potency animal organ supplement developed with my friends at AncestralSupplements.com called Male Optimization Formula with Organs, mofo. It's designed to boost your natural internal testosterone production and enhance the nutrient density of your diet. This is a huge issue because T levels are getting trashed today to the tune of an average 1% decline per year since the 1980s. Gentlemen, we are in decline towards flabby, floppy Mr. Softies thanks to many overly stressful modern lifestyle influences. And it's time to fight back. MoFo contains freeze-dried testicle, prostate, heart, liver, and bone marrow sourced from 100% grass-fed New Zealand cattle, honoring the ancestral tradition of like supports like, scientifically validated today, where when you consume the proteins, peptides, enzymes, cofactors, and molecular biodirectors contained in these organs, it is believed to nourish the corresponding organs and systems in your body. I also offer a comprehensive lifestyle program called the MoFo Mission and a free ebook at bradkearns.com MoFo. And you can save 10% when you order direct at ancestralsupplements.com using the code Kearns. So we might widely acknowledge that for most of us, uh, we deserve less of the chronic destructive stress and possibly investigate the idea of whether we need to put our bodies under uh, further stress in the realm of, uh, for example, explosive exercise or fasting and uh, restriction of macronutrients if we are overfed and chronically overfed and have our glycogen stores full all the time and are carrying excess body fat and experiencing things like chronic inflammation. Um, but we also want to throw into this category, don't forget, all the chronic stressors that we have a very difficult time extricating from, such as the uh, constant exposure to unnatural EMFs from our wireless devices, uh, the chemical insults that we experience from uh, consumer products. I did a whole show with Melanie Avalon about all the crap that's in mainstream skincare products. We've heard a commercial about dry farm wines, where I'm talking about all the toxins and chemicals that are hidden in in mainstream commercial wines. And so all this stuff that we're bombarding our bodies with every single day, 
plastic materials that are touching your food and drink and releasing estrogenic compounds, endocrine disruptors into your system. It all adds up to quite a bit and therefore a compelling argument to try to uh, minimize these deliberate stressors that we, we, we throw ourselves into and possibly to our detriment. And that obvious example would be uh, like trying to perform as an athlete following a strict ketogenic diet and being in the older age groups. And I talked about my crash and burn experiences at that time. Uh, so we have to remember that the fight or flight response in the body is identical regardless of the nature of the stress or more accurately, the stimulus. So wonderful things can happen uh, and still be highly stressful in that uh, realm of Dr. Hans Selye's uh, original uh, research or publishing of the general adaptation syndrome in the human that was published in 1946, how the human responds to stress. And so we have uh, those three um, stages to create what's known as the stress response. We have the stimulus, we have the perception, and we have the response. Um, so remember that we have certain amount of control there in the perception category. That's Viktor Frankl, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, that's the greatest freedom we have is the freedom to choose our attitude or freedom to choose um, <laughs> what we think of the stimulus. So uh, when one person's called randomly to speak uh, in a public setting and has to come up to the front of the classroom or the conference room, they're going to have a massive stress response and feel negative, fearful about it, while the person sitting next to them, uh, a seasoned public speaker, can't wait to get up in front and is going to be excited and positive about it and probably have a better outcome and less uh, physically destructive stress hormones, but you're still going to get uh, a stress hormone burst from whatever you do, even if you love it and it's super fun. Um, so the stimulus, perception of that stimulus, and then the response in the body. And in the stress response, the first stage response is alarm. The body sends a distress signal to your brain. Your brain responds by sending message to the body, releasing hormones called glucocorticoids and adrenaline. These are known as your fight or flight hormones. During the alarm reaction stage, you also experience elevated blood pressure and heart rate. So when it's race morning or speed golf tournament morning, this stuff is all wonderful. I'm going to look at my heart rate and see that it's elevated. I'm alert. I'm energized. I'm focused and I'm ready to deliver a peak performance effort. Now, um, if you prolong the alarm stage because every single day you get up to work and you head into the office and it's a battle or you have a dysfunctional uh, personal circumstances where you're in um, you know high stress uh, interpersonal relationship settings or you are heading to the gym every morning because you love getting to the 6 a.m spinning class and and banging on those pedals for an hour you are going to be in this alarm stage for a prolonged period of time and we're not able to kind of recycle through, rebuild, and come back stronger for the next um, alarm stage. Uh, so this chronic alarm stage, what happens is um, we go into the next phase is called the resistance stage. This is after the stressor, the initial acute stressor has stopped. Your body tries to thwart the changes that occurred during the reaction stage or the alarm stage by employing the parasympathetic nervous system. So this is trying to come down after you had that traumatic argument or you had that competitive event. And during this time in the resistance stage, uh, you're still able to plug along and perform 
at an adequate level, uh, but things are taking its toll. You need a break from the stress. You're getting to Friday afternoon and the weekend is approaching uh, just in time uh, because you need to get back to homeostasis and bring in that parasympathetic rest and digest function. Uh, but the symptoms of being in the resistance stage are irritability, poor concentration, frustration. So you're on the edge. And then finally, if the stress is prolonged and not appropriately balanced with downtime, you experience uh, the third phase of the general adaptation syndrome. We have alarm, we have resistance, and then we have exhaustion. Uh, and that's the point where your body starts to uh, underproduce even normal levels of the fight-or-flight hormones that are necessary for a, a basic day of productivity and alertness and mood and energy and appetite balance. Um, this is where you can get into uh, symptoms like exhaustion, anxiety, depression, and burnout. And so if you think about this story that was published in 1946, how uh, a lot of times we are flip-flopping between this alarm existence where we're going, going, going and running on fumes and uh, junk food. We're still hitting the workouts, putting in the miles, lifting the plates in the weight room, but we are running on borrowed time, as I talked about in the shows about overtraining and that concept of overreaching where you're producing high amounts of the stress hormones in a chronic manner and still getting through everything that you need to do, uh, but you're, you're heading toward the exhaustion stage and anxiety, depression, burnout. So um, if you take a look at the stressors in your life and ask yourself, what can I do uh, to produce the optimal level of appropriate fight or flight stressors and minimize the chronic stressors, I think you have discovered the secret to getting healthy. Okay, so uh, speaking to the athletic population, the highly motivated, goal-oriented, driven type of person that's setting goals and is locked into a very devoted exercise regimen, in many examples, many cases, uh, the suggestion is to tone things down a little bit, turn that dial down a little. Remember the uh, the trade-off between reproduction, repair, growth, and locomotion, a zero-sum game. And so if you are locomoting like crazy, um, those other dials are getting fragile, uh, repair and growth, so therefore you're not adapting to your training appropriately, and you are in the category of chronic stressors. Now, if you're in a different category, let's say you're in the inactive uh, couch potato uh, group, then the instruction is to get up off the couch gently and move a little bit more throughout your day. Put your body under resistance load. Start slowly and gradually and carefully so that you don't uh, flip-flop the teeter-totter over into uh, the, the high-stress category. Uh, like we see on the Biggest Loser program, they show up onto the set and then they get torched and it has years and years of negative repercussions. So we want to have a gentle approach to getting more active and putting our body under more stress. Uh, so we're talking about, oh, cold exposure. It's so awesome. Look at this video of Wim Hof. He packed his body in ice for two hours straight. He swam under uh, Arctic region ocean and came up 100 meters later through another hole to set a world record. Uh, that's great. And in your case, to tiptoe into that direction and give your body uh, a little bit of cold stimulation. It's as simple as cranking the handle in the shower and turning it over to cold. Now, um, as far as getting rid of the chronic stressors, we got to look at our uh, dietary habits, uh, sleep habits, um, how we balance hyperconnectivity and 
constant potential for distraction with downtime away from devices. And then we're going to kind of drift over into this uh, realm where we have great peak performance potential, uh, especially to do things like drop excess body fat. And I think the energy balance guys, uh, Mike Fave and Jay Feldman, do a great job uh, hammering this point home that until we're healthy and until we're in stress-rest balance, this idea of exercising more and eating less is a big, huge, fat disaster, and it will not work. Uh, because what, all we're doing is increasing our stress quotient, and that's often happening when people are struggling to uh, drop another 5, 10, or 15 pounds through turning up the, <laughs> pushing the gas pedal and doing harder workouts and cutting back on calories. Okay, so um, this is a quote from Jay. When we have lack of sunlight, lack of sleep, lack of social interaction, and many other aspects of our modern lives, we inhibit our ability to produce energy, and our capacity for handling increased energy demands is drastically reduced. It will not work to eat less food and exercise more. And so we want to kind of open up the perspective a little bit, realize how important it is to get out and walk, not because you're counting the calories on your smart device, but just to uh, achieve uh, fresh air, open space, sunlight, and cognitive downtime from a screen, um, minimizing your exposure to environmental uh, affronts such as the chemicals that you put on your skin, on your body, and in your food, and of course trying to uh, minimize the psychological stress that we traffic in uh, with rumination and all the other ways. So it's pretty simple. Uh, mellow out, uh, try to enjoy your life, slow down, and put into place the appropriate stressors. So let me formulate some concluding thoughts here uh, that are going to cover the things that were in all four episodes. Um, first off, everything's a matter of degree. So when we're reflecting on the nature of our life stress, that's going to be an entirely personal discussion. Um, for example, uh, read the questions I asked. I'm going to put myself right on that edge of overstress uh, with my athletics and my age group. So um, I might be a person who wants to rein in any type of dietary stressor like fasting uh, and even cold plunging because I'm already uh, tiptoeing on the edge of the precipice uh, due to the other factors that are in place. Um, I mentioned on one of the shows where I had this really weird uh, three times repeated experience where I did my uh, sprint workout or sprinting jumping workout as well as a devoted cold plunge on the same morning. I'm not saying back to back, but I put both those stressors into place and three times I had a total bomb out in the afternoon where I all of a sudden felt tired, achy, exhausted, and had to go down for a major nap. And that inspired me to um, uh, reflect on whether I needed two major stressors in the same morning and also whether I needed to continually to push the envelope and see how long I could adapt and increase my time in the cold tub or in the cold lake. And so I had uh, worked my way up to being able to comfortably last for four to six minutes in water that was 38 degrees, no problem, no struggle, 
uh, no complaints, right? It was just, I was getting better and better. Uh, and then I uh, abruptly turned that back down to a one to two minute plunge such that it's more therapeutic. And there's no reason for me to push the envelope there, especially when I might've pushed the envelope by doing six reps over at the track of 200 meters when I might've been better off doing three or four. Um, and with all the reflections on diet and listening to uh, the, the energy balance uh, premise, I've made a significant adjustment, which I feel like is very uh, favorable, very sensible, and will very likely uh, stick long term. And that is to get a nice big bowl of fruit and a very powerful super nutrition smoothie every morning. Uh, instead of fasting or just not paying much attention, maybe having a couple squares of chocolate and going and going until near midday until I prepare um, a lavish meal. And I like that for me personally. Um, Jay talks about turning down stress hormones by waking up and putting fruit into your body right away and dampening that natural uh, cortisol spike that we all tout as appropriate and favorable. Uh, but my total focus here is on minimizing uh, the outside stress factors in my life outside of my what I believe are the most um, beneficial, valuable, and enjoyable, and that would be my athletic training. So um, the, the other goal is um, nourishing the body to the maximum, um, checking blood work frequently because I do not want any of those dials turned down. No way, man, not even for a second. Not if I want to make a triumphant return to the Olympics to my hometown of Los Angeles in 2028. I'm only two feet off the world record in the high jump, so I'm holding out hope. <laughs> and back to our show. Uh, remember this, too. Um, among elite athletes, there is very little incidence of extreme dieting or extreme biohacking. And that's an interesting takeaway uh, Lindsay Barra emphasized that in our show because she interviews athletes in a variety of sports about their dietary practices specifically, and there's not a whole lot of that going on amongst that select group of people who are pushing the envelopes of human performance, setting world records, and getting paid millions of dollars to perform. And I think that's a very interesting takeaway, especially when we can get bombarded and deeply confused with conflicting scientific studies asserting that this is the way to go, uh, and that's the way to go, and they're in direct opposition, and they're both respected, and you hear from different resources, and you're like, what am I to think? And so I always like to look toward the performances of the athletes, because uh, it's irrefutable evidence that whatever they're doing is working to the extent that they're setting world records. Uh, for example, uh, the sport of triathlon, you now see people doing the Ironman way under the magical eight-hour barrier that one wondered would ever be broken uh, decades ago when I was racing and the records were in the, the low eight-hour uh, level. Now guys are doing, I think, seven hours and 20 or some crazy times, which essentially represents going really fast for a very long swim, a very long bike ride, and then a marathon run ran at uh, a pace of six-minute miles or better. An absolutely astonishing performance all day long, just running that engine at a high level. Same with my man, Zach Bitter, the world record holder in the 100-mile run, where he's clicking off six minutes and 46 seconds per mile for 100 consecutive miles. Uh, if you have any reference point, like running a three-hour marathon, which is a sensational performance representing 
uh, the top one or two percent of finishers in big races like New York, LA. Um, that's four in a row <laughs> by Zach Bitter. And so athletes like these and those in the NBA who are not only playing hard in a sport that requires great endurance and explosiveness, but their travel schedule is ridiculous. There's so much stress on those athletes. They are not indulging. They guarantee you they're not looking at the clock or looking at their portion sizes. Now, we could also argue that elite athletes might be a little bit behind the curve and would benefit from paying more attention to their dietary choices. Uh, But in Lindsay's uh, interview, She talked about one common thread that they expressed was that they stay away from uh, processed foods. Uh, My contention is from uh, what little evidence I can gather uh, that a lot of them could do much better with that. And I mentioned that in a previous show where I called out Lance Armstrong for opening up uh, the packet of cookies uh, from the minibar on his plane. Nevertheless, point is well taken that we see little to no extreme dieting amongst the world's elite athletes. Uh, And back to my biomarkers, uh, I've reported this on some Instagram posts where I uh, measure my testosterone frequently and my range in serum T over the past three years with maybe two dozen tests. Put it this way, they know my name at the blood lab uh, down the road. And when I ride my bike in, they allow me to park my bike inside. I'm I'm like a regular, okay? So the range of serum T has been between 562 to 1,008. Um, For reference, the general range for the population, healthy males, uh, they want to see between 200 and 1,000. So when I hit that uh, record-breaking 1,008, that represents the top 1% of even uh, male in the uh, the prime age groups of uh, 20 to, to 30. And so that was a, a amazing number. And 562 is also uh, just fine or good, uh, but I want to be great all the time. I want to be very good to great because uh, our reference range is possibly kind of pathetic when we're talking about uh, the general population. And many experts have also Uh, agreed or asserted that too, that when you're looking at something like testosterone, um, an adaptive hormone, you want to be shooting for the uh, the 75, 80, 90th percentile rather than being comfortable uh, being in the mid-range. And so that span, that range from 562 to 10,008, quite significant. I'd say uh, for the most part, I'm in the 750 range and uh, a little tighter, but those those extreme examples uh, reveal in my opinion, uh, the variation in my stress levels in day-to-day life, most likely um, the excessive training being the one that would knock me down and put me in the, um, uh, in the fine category instead of good or great. So my goal, which you uh, might, might be strongly recommended, is to keep those dials on and turn down uh, stress hormones Uh, avoid that overproduction of stress hormones. So what a concept, a bowl of fruit in the morning. I don't think it's going to hurt me and it could quite possibly help, especially when, uh, as you know, I'm coming off a 40-minute exercise routine and then I enjoy my bowl of fruit and my big smoothie. So I've already done some activity to kind of earn those carbs, as Liver King would say. Now, I'm going to describe this as a proactive strategy because I'm generally not hungry I don't need to uh, sit down and consume those calories in the morning. I'm so used to, after 15 years uh, of engaging in extended fasting, uh, but I'm certainly open-minded and receptive to the idea that especially after a 
a significant 40-minute exercise session, perhaps it can be helpful to nourish my body immediately. And guess what I've noticed in my brief experiment, uh, admittedly, it's been about a month where I've been hitting this fruit and smoothie every single morning rather than fasting. Um, I noticed that my hunger signals uh, turn on a little bit more. Uh, now, as we know from the keto boilerplate commentary, uh, it's been a widely touted benefit of a low-carb or ketogenic diet that you're never hungry anymore and you feel great all day. Uh, so I'm actually uh, reflecting on that and thinking that maybe the opposite is okay too. In other words, I'm turning on my hunger signals in the morning by consuming calories every morning. And we know this is part of your digestive circadian rhythm processes where your brain, your body comes to expect food by 9 a.m. every morning because you're feeding it at 9 a.m. Every, every morning. And yes, we are capable of transcending that with that low-carb ketogenic diet especially. However, um, do I want to turn on those hunger hormones so that I will be prompted to uh, ingest uh, nutritious fuel and be able to keep those dials up all day long? Now, this is where I emphasize that it's a matter of degree, because if you extend all the way out on that continuum, we're talking about carb dependency, right? Where I feel terrible, moody, cranky by 10 a.m. because I haven't eaten my dose of uh, processed carbohydrates every morning in the great all-American breakfast. So I'm going to contend that I am not a risk factor to head in that direction. And so as I try to optimize everything and keep the dials up, the hormones, the thyroid, the adrenals, uh, the fight or flight response appropriately balanced with downtime and turning down stress hormones by fueling my body appropriately, which is that main message of energy balance. I'm really open to that concept. And offline, I talked to Sisson about this at length, and he uh, offers the um, reflection that he's so good at fasting that it's really no stress for him to wait until 12 noon until he eats his first nutritious meal, uh, staying away from processed foods that interfere with energy burning. He's very good at burning body fat. He's not going to change his routine to copy Brad Kearns and have a bowl of fruit and a big smoothie. However, and we'll discuss this further on our upcoming podcast together, um, he was relating a time period where he had uh, overstressed his body with some amazing workouts, which the guy is 69 years old. He still performs some pretty fantastic endurance feats and uh, big stuff in the gym too. And that's how you maintain uh, the six pack and the physique, even as an old man. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just called you an old man. Sorry, Mark. Well, uh, he was talking about how he did this crazy bike ride, uh, fat tire bike in Miami on the sand. I've done the workout. It's brutal. It is a brutal hour and a half workout in the heat. He did that. Uh, he uh, flew on a jet the next day, so he got the jet travel stressor, uh, went down to the Caribbean, and took a long kite surfing lesson in the ocean that can turn cold after two hours, even though it's 78 degrees. It's lower than your body temperature. So he was tired. He was stressed. He was uh, had some travel in him, and he had the previous day's workout, and he felt pretty wiped out. And then he related that uh, over the ensuing hours, days... He took a massive nap, which is unusual for him, and consumed more calories. So uh, getting back into his personal balance after a bout of excess exercise stress. So back to my personal example, 
Um, is the bowl of fruit and the big smoothie going to be uh, life-changing and dramatically better than fasting? Probably not, because I'm already starting from a, a good starting point. But again, if I'm looking for an edge, especially with peak performance goals, oh my gosh, I'm going to put some importance on this and see it through as an experiment. And speaking of blood work, I talked about my testosterone. I also uh, turned in a recent report with triglycerides at 27, HDL 79, and insulin 2.3. So those values for triglycerides and insulin are uh, very low, uh, pretty much under the norm by a significant amount, meaning that I have not the slightest concern with the prominent patterns of metabolic syndrome, type 2 diabetes, heart disease risk factors. And as we've heard from experts like Dr. Kate Shanahan, Dr. Ron Sinha, we want to focus on that triglycerides to HDL ratio as our number one uh, analysis for heart disease risk factor. And the goal is to bring those to one-to-one. So you want your trigs uh, even with your HDL or lower, and mine is significantly lower than the ideal goal of one-to-one. In contrast, most of us uh, modern citizens uh, consuming standard American diet Uh, The doctors are really asking you to get your triglycerides under 150, and we want the HDL over 40. So that's um, a big difference from one-to-one, and so striving for that ideal one-to-one. Same with the insulin. Uh, The mainstream uh, recommendation is to get it under 15. Um, Paul Saladino would like to see you under 5 as ideal and urgently under nine. And so if you're dancing around with a fasting insulin of 10 or what have you, um, you might get a thumbs up from a routine checkup, but the leaders like Peter Atia and Saladino would like to see you get that way down. And Saladino contends that this is the single most important blood value to track for your diabetes, heart disease, risk factor. And sadly, it's not often ordered on mainstream tests. And you have to ask and ask again as I learned with uh, getting my wife in for her annual checkup, and they said, why do you need to test insulin? And so I gave him the spiel that uh, this is probably more important than anything else you see on the blood results. So it's a really good value to track. And in my case, with triglycerides and insulin that low, um, as Chris Kelly talked about in our episode a long time ago, he called me out and said, you know what, that might even be too low. Maybe you should eat more sugar and get your triglycerides higher uh, to have a better energy utilization. So um, again, as a personal example, I'm asking you to go and get your own blood work done and evaluate these things and look deeper than the deeply flawed ideal of just cutting back on your portion sizes and uh, exercising more. So for those of us with risk factors, that's one category. But then I see this whole other category of people, uh, the devoted enthusiasts out there who are doing big time workouts. Uh, They report not being hungry. They are doubling down on fasting and keto and so forth. And perhaps uh, turning a lot of those dials down, whether they have uh, distinct complaints or not. Maybe they're in this uh, medium stage of overreaching where they're headed for trouble even though they think that everything is optimized. What's up, mofo? Let's talk about testosterone and a high-potency animal organ supplement developed with my friends at AncestralSupplements.com called Male Optimization Formula with Organs, mofo. It's designed to boost your natural internal testosterone production and enhance the nutrient density of your diet. 
This is a huge issue because tea levels are getting trashed today to the tune of an average 1% decline per year since the 1980s. Gentlemen, we are in decline towards flabby, floppy Mr. Softies thanks to many overly stressful modern lifestyle influences, and it's time to fight back. MoFo contains freeze-dried testicle, prostate, heart, liver, and bone marrow sourced from 100% grass-fed New Zealand cattle, honoring the ancestral tradition of like supports like, scientifically validated today, where when you consume the proteins, peptides, enzymes, cofactors, and molecular biodirectors contained in these organs, it is believed to nourish the corresponding organs and systems in your body. I also offer a comprehensive lifestyle program called the MoFo Mission and a free ebook at bradkearns.com MoFo. And you can save 10% when you order direct at ancestralsupplements.com using the code Kearns. And Saladino posed that great question uh, in our show, I think our first show, and he says it all the time, like um, we're talking about going from, you know, level five to level eight or level seven to level nine. And the follow-up question is, how do you know if you're at level seven or level eight or level nine or level five? We don't have a lot of reference points to, um, you know, to, to compare ourselves. And so I'm always open to the idea that I might be only at level seven and I'd aspire to get to level nine. And so that's kind of the, the, the rationale for doing all manner of experimenting and tweaking is to try to rise up the rankings and especially don't get blindsided. Um, listen to my podcast with Debbie Potts. She's a 13-time Ironman finisher, including six-time finisher of the Hawaii Ironman World Championships where you have to qualify. So she was one of the fastest ladies in the world in her age group. And boy, that general adaptation syndrome came out of the clouds and bit her hard and she relates this tragic story of just crapping out on the side of the road in the middle of a 50 mile bike ride one day with her body in total exhaustion and it really hit her as a blind side and it took her years to recover so that was the end of her competitive Ironman career she was just pushing the edge so far in every direction and so you can easily contend that it is truly dangerous to go into the extreme mode of biohacking, uh, progressive health practices to the extent that you might be feeling okay for a while with your sprinting and cold plunging and ketogenic eating and carb restriction and calorie restriction, uh, but you're working on borrowed time because you're prompting stress hormones. And back to Jay Feldman's uh, epic quote that I, I keeps echoing in my mind, uh, you know, fasting, ketogenic eating, uh, carb restriction turns on stress hormones. Um, to what extent? Probably not a lot for Sisson. Um, for Debbie Potts, when she was training like crazy and possibly not nurturing herself optimally, she was just a ticking time bomb of stress hormones as represented by her, her complete uh, collapse. Okay, so just because we can do it doesn't mean it's healthy. Uh, that includes 
being the regular participant at the 6 a.m. classes at the gym. Because when we're uh, answering to that alarm before it's light out and heading over to the pulsating music and the peppy instructor and the social experience, yes, that's all positive. It's fun. It's enjoyable. um, But you are tapping into stress hormones every time, especially if you come home and have um, a a, a tiny little uh, container of nonfat yogurt and then carry on uh, or, or try to fast until 12 and piggyback that with a, a pre-dawn workout. Um, so uh, Jay Feldman, energy balance, somewhat controversial uh, insights on diet, but not uh, not too crazy when you look at it from the big picture. He wants you to eat easily digestible foods with adequate nutrients, including sufficient calories and carbohydrates and protein and fat, a minimal amount of toxins. So he's on board with the uh, Paul Saladino message of avoiding these uh, high-risk categories of plant toxins. Um, So it's kind of an animal-based, fruit-heavy, uh, they're also touting fruit juice as a, uh, a sensible choice to give your body easily digestible energy. Um, so I'm also uh, here in the very uh, agreeable and non-controversial camp of promoting maximum nutrient density and a total elimination of highly processed toxic modern foods as the path to health. Anyone care to dispute that? <laughs> Sign up and I'll have you on as a guest on the podcast. So that is my uh, landing point here after uh, years of being deep into everything and listening to so many people and some of those podcast highlights that'll drive this point home. Uh, Dr. Robert Lustig, author of Metabolical, you can't get a more impeccable resource uh, in terms of his body of work and his awards and his uh, prestige in the, uh, the mainstream medical community as well as the progressive health. He says, as long as you just get rid of junk food, um, it's virtually impossible to go and get fat and obese and have all these uh, disease patterns. Uh, because when you think about turning over into a diet that emphasizes nutrient density, you're going to be full. You're going to be satisfied. You're not going to eat too many omelets and too many steaks uh, and, and too many protein smoothies uh, to go and get yourself sick and fat. Uh, Tommy Wood, again, um, it can, it conveying to his fit clients to consume as much healthy food as they can until they add a pound of fat and then dial it back a little. How sensible can you get? Okay, these are my tips and recommendations for exercise. Uh, For those of us in that category, please be very, very careful to adopt a kinder, gentler approach so that you avoid bouts of fatigue in the aftermath of your impressive workouts, so that you avoid recurrent muscle soreness, of course, avoiding injuries, and just uh, honoring this example from the great elite athletes in every sport on the planet where they're training well within themselves at virtually every workout. They're not puking on the side of the track like you see in the movies. Um, I'm reflecting back in my days as an elite professional triathlete, and a lot of my cardiovascular training sessions on the bike or running were 20, 30, 40, or 50 beats below my maximum aerobic function heart rate of 155. Uh, So I could jog and my fitness level was high, so everything's relative, right? I could jog at a decent pace of perhaps an eight or nine minute mile at 115 beats a minute 
when my aerobic maximum was 155. I could pedal my bike 16, 17 miles an hour on flat ground at 100 beats per minute, 55 beats below my math heart rate. So I ask you and anyone else uh, if this is relevant to you, why the heck at the age of 57 when I'm less fit am I bumping up against my maximum aerobic heart rate virtually every time I take uh, an endurance training session? (laughs) It's because I'm so slow. And so in my brain, I'm thinking, well, I should at least run nine minute miles, even though I'm right there at 125, 130 heart rate when I'm running that quote unquote fast. So Uh, By comparison to that old-time triathlete who has the same name as I but has a few other associations, um, that easy training session when I'm running along the path at 115 beats per minute and running 9-minute mile, today that would represent a brisk walk. So I have to uh, buck up, uh, get the ego out of the way, and deliver the appropriate training stimulus. Same with my high jump practices. Uh, I know from Uh, consultation and reporting from elite athletes that a good high jumper uh, has about a dozen full approach jumps in a single meet or practice session. That's about all they're good for. And after that, technique will start to falter, fatigue. Of course, it's (laughs) strenuous to jump up and over a bar that's nearly eight feet in the air, right? Or nearly seven feet for the females. And so why at a typical practice session am I doing 20 full distance approach jumps. It's because uh, the 13th, 15th, 17th, I'm frustrated, I wanna get that technique down, I think I can do it on the next rep, and the next, and the next, and then I pay the price later. So I'm learning to dial it back in workouts uh, and and fighting that battle, I encourage you to do the same. Um, Now, in this kinder, gentler approach, uh, one thing that you can do that really helps with your consistency and elevating your fitness base is to uh, perform these micro workouts and then hone your technique during training sessions that are uh, less strenuous. So I'm doing my sprinting drills that you can see on YouTube, uh, running technique drills. I I do those virtually every day uh, for a 10 seconds, 15 second stint here, another stint here, another stint here, and that is really helping me uh, when it's time to open up the throttle and perform a proper sprint workout. Uh, The morning routine, which I talk about so much, did a whole show on that recently. This is really the centerpiece for me of a sensible, kinder, gentler, and more consistent approach to my fitness goals. And because I've adapted to it over time, um, it's not that difficult for me to perform. It's sort of a easy to medium to a few things at the end that could be considered medium to difficult every time I do them, uh, like the mini band sequence or the uh, the dumbbell raises at the very end of the sequence. Uh, but look on bradkerns.com, uh, the morning routine page. Uh, since you've listened this long to the show, I'm going to give you a discount code BRAD10 when you want to enroll in that course. And it's wonderful and it has so many scalable ideas. So you can start easy, whatever fitness level you're at. You can watch my whole uh, entire 40-minute routine uh, in sequence in, in case you care to model that or pick and choose from that. But it represents a kinder, gentler, sensible approach because I'm so adapted to it that it's not strenuous for me. 
And I was so uh, heartened to uh, realize that it was hard for Rouse, my childhood friend. I took him through the paces and he was complaining of his abdomen burning early on into the sequence. And I realized, shit, this guy's a, a fitness machine, one of the best tennis players in Southern California uh, at the 58 age group. And he was struggling because it was new to him. And so adapting to uh, exercise stress to the extent that it doesn't tax you, that's the essence of getting fitter. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening, Jeff, if you are listening. Now, the uh, the big five from Doug McGuff, I also put on this bulleted list here as a great exercise suggestion. And if you recall that episode, he contends that the way to increase muscle strength is that a little goes a very, very long way and doing too much will retard your progress. And so he wants you to go into the gym and perform five uh, functional full body exercises on the machines for safety and for um, wide inclusion of anybody. You don't have to be messing around with free weights, but you do the uh, the seated row, the chest press, the overhead press, the lat pull down, and the leg press. And you do very slow reps, so the muscle is under tension for a long time, and you do a single set to failure, and you do the workout once a week. So the workout literally takes around 12 minutes. You rest a little bit between stations. You go to the next one. You do a single set to failure. Next one, next one. And all you need to do is once a week to stimulate uh, reliable strength gains without the risk of uh, injury, fatigue, uh, regression in fitness, regression in strength that so many uh, devoted strength trainers experience. The OsteoStrong program uh, invented by Dr. John Jakewish you can look at their website. They have special facilities uh, all over the country, and um, they are catering to the crowd concerned with osteoporosis. So the protocols you go in and you perform uh, to maximum uh, muscle failure at four major uh, functional machines that recruit a lot of muscle groups, and that incre increases both bone density and muscle strength. My mom's doing a great job starting in 2022. So she's halfway through the year going once a week, pressing those handles or pulling or pushing whatever they ask to do. And you get your number and it exceeds your threshold for um, stimulating bone growth. And you go your merry way in a very short duration workout that's doable for everybody. So putting your body under resistance load for very brief workouts can have a tremendous uh, effect without that risk of that you get from chronic exercise. I already mentioned my fondness for cold exposure. I still uh, highly recommend it. It's a wonderful psychological boost. It helps increase your focus, discipline, and all those great uh, adaptability to stress of all forms throughout the day. And there's no reason to try to be your hero. You uh, expose your body to an appropriate level of stress, uh, experience those breakthroughs and the hormonal boost as well as the psychological boost. And the same with the sauna. I've uh, dabbled in some extreme sauna experiences where I'm in there, I'm sweating profusely, and I stay 10 more minutes. And sometimes I felt goofy in the aftermath of the sauna because it was, it was hardcore. So now my rule is I get in there, and as soon as I start sweating profusely, I get out immediately, and that represents an appropriate sauna experience. And as I'm wrapping this up with 
conclusion recommendations. We're going in the category now of life stressors. Of course, prioritizing sleep. We don't need to uh, prolong that point here, uh, but also want to throw in a plug for downtime. So we know how important it is to sleep well, but also taking downtime away from the devices to just relax and uh, recapture what it's like to have space between your thoughts, all that great stuff. And because of all the temptation and the instant gratification potential, we need to build systems uh, to withstand as discussed in the Dopamine Nation podcast, uh, withstand this age of indulgence. Otherwise, we're going to succumb. We don't have to, um, we shouldn't uh, tap into willpower all the time. We should just uh, power down our phone. Um, I mentioned the example in my interview with Dr. Lemke where uh, when the, the, the streaming episode is over and then over in the little corner of your screen, it says, the next episode will begin in 10, 9, eight, seven, and I always jump up and grab that remote and put it on pause, have a consult with me and more whether we want to continue with another episode, but I don't want to be tempted and lured by the next episode playing because of course it's going to be interesting and it's going to try to draw you in. Uh, my interview a long time ago with the great Kelly Starrett, uh, prominent fitness and physical therapy leader, but he spent a lot of time talking about how important it is to charge your phone out of your room rather than his core area of expertise because he feels like it's that important. And my example of the morning routine, guess what? Besides all the physical benefits, uh, it prevents me from getting sidetracked with my mobile technology or my uh, lid of my laptop being flipped open because all that stuff must happen after the morning routine is complete. So at least I have that built in and then maybe we'll see if I get sidetracked or not. Okay, that's concluding with some advice that's very sensible, not necessarily exciting or secret or magic, but we want to tone down those sources of chronic stress and especially when it comes to the self-inflicted stress of uh, workout patterns, and especially stacking of those stressors, as I talk about in my personal example. And when we make uh, dietary choices, we want to stay away from those nutrient deficient processed foods that have inflammatory autoimmune uh, properties and have metabolic inhibitors, as the energy balance guys like to say. And those are prominently the seed oils, because they interfere with your ability to burn energy yourself. And in this category also, perhaps, as Dr. Paul Saldino makes a compelling argument for, are the natural plant toxins that are widely touted as having fantastic health benefits and not enough discussion about how they might be messing you up, especially in the major categories of roots, stems, seeds, and leaves, less so in the least offensive plants like fruit and honey. Uh, of course, we wanna dial in those ancestral aligned behaviors like sleep, sun, socializing, sex, strolling instead of sitting. And how many S words can I fit into the sentence for your listening pleasure? All right. So tinker around and see what works for you. Be open to experimenting. Uh, I think that's such a strong uh, admonition right now because we are trafficking in um, an era of information overload, and it's easy to get wrapped up in forming fixed and rigid beliefs to figure out what camp you live in. Um, former podcast guest Dave Cobrin, deep 
health and fitness enthusiasts uh, went so far as to perform a 30-day strict carnivore eating experiment where I believe all he had was eggs, steak, and salmon. And he took his blood values before and after. And so he has a very excellent reference point to fine-tune his diet from there. Interestingly, uh, speaking of energy balance, he reports that he felt great. Uh, he got cut up and, you know, even more prominent six-pack than his, his baseline six-pack. Uh, but interestingly, on the blood report, his testosterone had dropped significantly. And so if we reported that to uh, Jay Feldman and Mike Fave, they might contend that he was turning down some of those other dials and, and turning on the stress response because he was not getting his usual allotment of carbs. And he was most certainly burning carbs with his ever-devoted workout regimen and epic morning routine. It would make sense that he felt great because, in part, of ramping up stress hormones because, in part, due to uh, reduction in carb intake. And luckily, he ended his experiment at 30 days because if it was 90 days or a year, maybe he would you know, really uh, experience the, the repercussions. And we know that stress hormones antagonize the uh, adaptive hormones like testosterone. And so when you have high cortisol, high fight or flight, chronic stimulation, you're gonna see those numbers tank. Uh, Mark Bell does constant cycling through an assortment of diets uh, over the year and over the long term, always looking to optimize and uh, remain open-minded. And please don't say, uh, hey, this stuff seems ridiculous. It's all about everything in moderation, even though I know what you mean. And I know when we're talking about going to extremes, it can be trouble. Uh, but I really think that term is misappropriated more than it's uh, understood correctly. And it turns into a cop-out phrase. And I'm so lit up about that, I'm going to do a whole show about it. So, um, listeners, let's keep blazing the trail together, huh? And let's try to go from level 7 to level 9 or level 5 to level 7, wherever we're at. And I do want to thank Jay Feldman and Mike Fave for pushing the dialogue forward with their great shows on the Energy Balance podcast that spurred this four-part uh, presentation on reflections uh, of their great work. Thank you so much for listening and sharing this episode with others. My friends are now getting annoyed at me because I text uh, the link to the episode so many times and so many different people. I'm just pushing my thumbs and spreading the word. And if you can do that with this podcast, we appreciate it so much. It helps us uh, gain more attention, rise up the rankings. And don't forget uh, that quote I uttered somewhere toward the end of the show, Brad10, B-R-A-D-1. Oh, and you can enroll in the morning routine, the ultimate guide to developing a morning exercise routine over at bradkearns.com. Thank you so much. You're going to enjoy that course, and we have much more coming out soon. Da, 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 da. Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings, 
wings, hamburgers, seafood, lobster, vegetables. I make salmon in three minutes. They even have a pizza stone accessory. I want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K. Everything you cook, faster, juicier. The speed is so important, so convenient. Uh, There's a drip tray on the bottom, so you let the juices drip down. I love the bison burger, the venison burgers. That's my game. And then you can add a mixture of butter, spices, whatever you want, into the tray. Pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor. Are you getting hungry? I am. (laughs) Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a -a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you, of course. It's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkearns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And remember, be rad.